We'll talk about David Reinbacher being loaned back to the Swiss National League. We'll talk about Kasper Haltonen uh, doing really good so far in the, uh, the OHL with London. And then we'll end things off with our Game on the Line segment for the 2013 NHL Draft, all coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's show, we've got a packed one for you again. We're going to talk about David Reinbacher being loaned back to the Swiss National League, how that how that fares out for his development um, and what we kind of expect from him in the season coming up. Um, and then we'll talk about Kasper Haltonen looking really good so far in, in London with the Knights uh, in the OHL now that he's uh, come over from Finland. Uh, we'll talk about how that helps his development as well. And then we'll end things off with our game on the line segment for the 2013 NHL draft this time. Um, basically, we take a player from a different round uh, and build a starting six uh, for that specific draft year that'll win us a game seven Stanley Cup final. But before we get into any of that, just make sure to like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So it's always very much appreciated. So Sebastian, let's talk about this loan spell for David Reinbacher back to the Swiss National League after signing his ELC with the Montreal Canadiens. First and foremost, I'm extremely surprised that the Habs did the right thing for for once with a top pick and sent them back to a league that'll help them flourish and develop properly. Um, we saw how that did not work out for Uri Slavkovsky last year. Um, and now they've made the right choice with Reinbacher, even though I felt like he was one of the most NHL-ready right-handed defensemen um, in the group. Um, I still feel like this is the right decision for him. Do you agree? Oh, for sure. I mean... He may have been marginally better than some of the alternative options at right D and been a slightly better option for the NHL team this year. But the price you're paying in terms of the hit that his development would take if they had struck that decision was Mm -hmm. a a big one. Uh, I think that the Habs have repeatedly shown that they are impatient with their prospects. I mean, we saw it with Slavkovsky, we saw it with Kakanyemi, if you're going Mm -hmm. back to the Mark Bergevin era. Uh, when the Habs have a top five pick, they rush them because, uh, of course, there is this idea that the fan base is forcing them to do all these decisions. And uh, there's too much pressure. You can't just make a good hockey decision when you're in such a high pressure environment. But other teams are doing it. And uh, it seems like the Habs are catching on that they can as well. And yeah. I think a year a year in Switzerland is exactly what uh, Reinbacher needs. Like this is going to be a season where he's going to get big offensive minutes against professional competition, which he didn't get last year. Like last year he was, he was getting some power play opportunities, but at even strength, he was really a, de- a defense first player, which is exactly why the Habs drafted him so high. He's mm-hmm. very, very effective in his own zone. But yeah. this season he has the opportunity to go back and to really refine his offensive toolkit. I'm really hoping mm-hmm. to see the handling take some strides. I want to see him be a bit more proactive with the puck on his stick. Uh, yeah. I'd like to, to to see him be a, a bit more of a calculated activator. He, he he loves activating when he sees space open up, but he still needs to learn of how to create that space on his own, how to use his off-puck movement to kind of create those holes that he can go and attack. 
and he's a bit more reactionary than he is proactive in the offensive zone as he's currently yeah. constructed. And I'd love to see him work on that this season in Switzerland. So I'm very, very happy that Habs made the right the right call here. Uh, also considering just how log jam the blue line is in terms of an overwhelming amount of replacement level talent. Uh, you did <laughs> not need to shoehorn David Reinbacher in there when he's around the same level right now too. So uh, I think the Habs made a smart call with that for sure. For sure, yeah. No, I fully agree, and and it's a breath of fresh air. I mean, you're looking at a player who is good enough to just keep his head above water in the NHL right now, but that's not what you want. You want him to flourish. You want him to thrive, and he wouldn't do that in his in his draft year. And you know, if we if we tie that back to last year's first overall pick, Yuri Slavkovsky, I mean. We're looking at a development path that he probably should have followed. I mean, it would have been great for his game if he went back to the to, to Finland to play full time this year instead of playing, you know, third line, occasionally second line minutes in the NHL and then, you know, getting ha- injured halfway through because he clearly wasn't um, developing the right habits and was keeping his head down, was identifying what he needed to do next after he got the puck. Um these small details compound and matter. I, and these were obvious from preseason. I mean, you could see that from last year's preseason with Yuri Slavkovsky yeah. that these were habits that needed to be developed in order for him to be successful at the NHL level. And lo and behold, he gets to the NHL and he's way out of his depth, doesn't know what to do with the puck once he has it um, because he's not pre-scanning, he's post-scanning, which is not helping him make the right play quickly and advance the puck. Um, a lot of plays died on his stick. All this led to a Yaroslavkovsky who was injured half the year, didn't produce as well as he should have, and now we're talking about a player who still looks a bit raw and still looks a bit rough because he hasn't had the opportunity to develop these tools in a comfortable environment where he's going to get constant top-line minutes. Um, he was in survival mode with the Canadians most of last year, keeping his head above water and trying to survive, and I'm very, very glad that they avoided that with David Reinbacher. Um, how do you think this projects for his season? I mean, are we looking at a player who's going to exceed his 22 points in 46 games from last year uh, with EHC Cloten? Is that a realistic expectation? Or do you just want to have kind of a no-pressure environment for him to not really need to focus on offense or anything in particular and just play his game, learn to dominate, and learn to, to explore different things as he kind of grows in that environment? I'd love to see the production take a bump. I, I think that... <laughs> In selecting him fifth overall, the Habs are taking yeah. a big swing that they are able to really refine his offensive game and and mold him into a true top pairing defenseman. And in my sure. mind, in order to, to, to do that, you need him to take those threats offensively. This is mm-hmm. not a player who is going to rise higher up the lineup because they they focus more on defense as a D plus one. Reinbacher's yeah. offensive game is already very, very strong, and he's going to keep working on it, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's what is going to get like like most of his reps are going to be defensive reps. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. if the development if the de- developmental focus and the coaching focus, hopefully in Cloten, is more on giving him offensive opportunities and and giving him the reins to an extent, I think he'll be able to actually at least get a chance to develop the tools that I think he needs to in order to rise as high up the lineup as his draft slot indicates that the Habs believe he can. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, you're, you're looking at a player who has a lot of very interesting tools. I mean, I'm still not convinced with the on-puck abilities. There are some decisions that feel rushed. He de- defaults to the simplest option. He doesn't really seem as comfortable hanging on to pucks, drawing players in, you know, and, and, and opening up new lanes for his teammates. But I feel like if he's going to learn that anywhere, it's going to be in Switzerland. Um, 
Well, I mean, obviously the AHL would be a bit better, I feel, just mainly because the pressure on players is a bit tighter. Um, we've said this often regarding Reinbacher and his production in the uh, Swiss National League, but it's a league that really favors the collapsing structure um, yeah. where you you free up the defenseman, you basically close off the slot, close off any high danger options. So he's not going to have a lot of opportunities to draw a player in if they're moving away from him most of the time, yeah. unless he's actively stepping up into the slot with the puck, which could help a bit in his kind of point production because he's a player who loves to circle the ice, who loves to create seams by moving laterally but i don't see him challenging players especially forwards on at the blue line um you know he doesn't challenge them with the puck and if he learns to do that maybe we're talking about a player in a year's time who has developed that element but i feel like it's a lot more likely that he develops the right tools in the ahl um but the ahl is still a step up from the swiss national league and it's a step up that could kind of it could create the same scenario of Ryan Becker trying to keep his head above water, which is what we're trying to avoid at all costs with him. We want him to, to develop comfort on the puck. And if he's when you're pressured like that and want to keep your job and want to show people that you're capable and, and that you, you can hang in there with the pros, what ends up happening is that you continue to default to those simply simple plays because they work, even though they're not the best play. Um, yeah. So I'm interested to see how, um, how, how Reinbacher kind of develops his game in a direction that allows him to display his comfort on the puck or improve it drastically. Because um, we didn't see a lot of it in, in the Swiss National League last year. Um, and this year could lead to the same things. But again, as long as he learns to challenge forwards at the, you know, by, by closing down on the high slot from the blue line with the puck, I feel like that's one thing that could really be emphasized by the Montreal Canadiens development program that could help him develop the right tools in the right places and learn and, and teach him that, you know, trust yourself with the puck. Um, Cause that's the thing that's missing right now from what we saw in preseason, but that wraps things up for our first segment. Now we're going to talk about Casper Halton and, and his kind of progression, how he's faring in London and how that fares for his development. We'll talk about that right after these messages for, from our sponsors over at, at bird dogs. Have you been looking for shorts or pants that are designed to make you feel comfortable and look good? Well, look no further than Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make these stretchy khaki pants and shorts that are designed to fit you slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look. And even better, they are made with their proprietary cloud knit fabric, which is designed to get all of the sweat and gunk away from your body to keep you cool and dry all day long. I can tell you from personal experience that these pants really are very, very comfortable. I'm currently wearing a pair right now. And uh, if you also want to get some other gear, they have a ton of other things, including a great white tech hat uh, and, and other gear that is going to keep you comfortable and dry, whether it is in the outdoors or in your daily life. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL or enter promo code locked on NHL at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NHL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. All right, so moving on to our second segment, uh, we'll talk about Casper Haltonen and his progression so far um, in uh, the uh, with the London Knights, how that fares for his development, what we can expect from Haltonen, and does this improve his overall kind of projection um, as a prospect? So we'll start off with 
his point total so far. I mean, he's played two games. It's a small sample, but he's got three goals in those two games, and he's been looking really, really good. We're talking about a six foot three, two hundred pound right winger um, who can absolutely wire the puck. I was a fan of this of this pickup for the San Jose Sharks because they're kind of seeking that kind of profile of player. Even though I had him ranked lower than that, I still think that Halton has. First of all, the 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 volume on his shooting. I mean, I, I haven't seen a player want to shoot this often and this and this badly uh, for a long while. So that fares really well with his ability to score because he's got a wicked shot, right? Um, but the trans the transition from Finland to junior, um, it, it's a very different game. And he played 27 games last year in the Finnish Liga against pros, only earned one assist. He wasn't playing that often and, and wasn't playing that that regularly in terms of minutes. Um, went on a loan spell in the second division of Finland, earned three points. Um, but at the junior level um, against U20 competition, 18 goals in 18 games. I mean, he is a scorer. Um so I'm interested to see kind of how this develops for his game, right? I mean, we're talking about a player who is a fantastic scorer, who's really good at finding space in the offensive zone. There are areas of his game outside of that, many areas in his game outside of that, that I have my concerns with. But when you're that reliable of a scorer, you always got to keep that in mind that, you know, he's going to do what he does best and he has so far. So what's your impression so far for Haltonen? And how do you think this affects his development, this kind of shift to the junior leagues and in, in the CHL? I, I like Halton, and I've always had a bit of a soft spot for him, and I don't know if it's that that's been like fully represented in my ranking of him, but mm. I had him ranked 44th overall last year, and it felt a bit low at the time, and it still feels a little bit low now. Um, mm-hmm. Halton had one of the wackiest draft year seasons imaginable. As you mm-hmm. said, he played, what, 26, 27 games in Liga? Throughout mm-hmm. that time, he was playing like middle six minutes, mainly third line, but mm-hmm. in those in those games... Over 50% of the expected goals for his team came off of his shots. And he was playmaking at a decent rate as well. So he was the only offensive driver in that entire spell in Liga. I think he had like around five individual expected goals at even strength and scored none, which was just really, really bad luck for him. And his -hmm. shooting skill really isn't the thing to question in this game. So he really was just really, really awfully unlucky. And uh, he did the same thing in junior, where he actually did score a lot of goals. But he was also over 50% of the expected goals for his team came off of his shots. And the only other prospects that did that at any level, whether it be junior or professional last season of like the high-end draft eligibles, the only two Mm -hmm. others were Matt Bay-Mitchkov and Colby Barlow, who kind Mm -hmm. of have their names as those like real finishers. So... (laughs) Uh, Haltonen has a real knack for putting the puck in the net, and as you said, he gets into high danger like like areas constantly. He's really, really good at at just kind of driving the slot, and he's not the type of player that is going to definitely make room between the defensemen. He's going to push the defenseman away and create that room for his, for himself. He makes yep. space. He's not mm-hmm. one to skillfully find space. He creates it for himself, and I think that makes him really, really potent offensively at the junior level. And he doesn't have to be a fluid skater or a very good puck handler to do that. And those are two of his weaknesses. Don't get me wrong, offensively. Uh, but he has a very selective set of tools 
that makes him a really potent goal scorer, especially against junior competition. And mm -hmm. I think the CHL is the exact league where he should be developing because he's going to learn how to bring those toolkits onto the North American ice surface and how to mm -hmm. really, re I think my expectation for that is that it's going to be way more effective than it was in Europe because he plays a very, very small ice surface style of hockey. He mm -hmm. is at his best when he's able to push players out of his way and make the use of the space that he has. And yeah. because space is so much more abundant in Europe, you don't really need to play that style of hockey to be effective. But in mm -hmm. North America, that's still really, really a, a very effective way of scoring goals and creating dangerous opportunities. And Halton yeah. very, very good at it. So mm -hmm. I think London is a great fit for him. I'm very, very excited to see how he functions with high-end players like Sam Dickinson for an extended stretch. I uh, can also mm -hmm. add in guys like Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan if he's sent back down. Uh, mm -hmm. London's going to be a very, very fun team with some really interesting players throughout that lineup. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think Haltonen's going to thrive in a role of being that true goal scorer, kind of playing that, that power forward role. As far mm -hmm. as projection, I still see him kind of topping out as that second line goal scorer slash power forward um, and is at his best right around the net, right around the slot, down low in the offensive zone. Defensively, mm -hmm. I think he still has to improve a bit. There's definitely areas of his game that need refinement. Like he's far from a finished product at this point in time. But there's mm -hmm. a really solid foundation here. And if I'm a San Jose Sharks fan, I'm pretty happy with that draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the main concern for me is that the lack of kind of true high-end surrounding skill. And we've seen this before. I mean, I like to tell the story of Alexander Holtz, um, who is in isolation, one of the best shots I've ever seen in a prospect. Um, the concern with him is the lack of surrounding skill, the lack of um, ability to separate um, in terms of speed with his opponents, his ability to um, kind of get in positions to, to, to take off that shot. I mean, at least Halton has a positioning part, uh, you know, down yeah. pat. But I feel like the surrounding skill is even more uh, muted with Halton. Yeah. He's really not the best handler. He's really not the best no. skater. Um, but he's a strong he's... puck protector. He's a very yeah. strong puck protector, and he he knows how to use leverage that tool against professional competition. That's one of the mm -hmm. things that gave me more hope in my projection with him as a draft eligible than I think a lot of other public scouts. I think I've always, like ranking wise, had him pretty similarly with everyone else. But I, I was a, a little bit more optimistic with his projection than a lot of public scouts that I've talked to about him. Uh, yeah. But I think the puck protection is really, really quite good, and he's really strong and. Uh, I think he has a very, very peculiar skill set, but I think it's it's definitely limited. But I think it's it's well rounded enough for him to have a chance at developing into a really, really fun second line piece. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it, it's I still have my questions and reservations, but from what I've seen so far in, in London, it's looking really good, and it's a more seamless fit than I saw in a lot of prospects that made that switch. I'm thinking of Philip Meshar and yeah. um, even Brad Lambert for a while struggled in, in the WHL before it took off for him, so there's definitely an adaptation period. I feel like Halton is a lot more well set up to make that transition a bit more seamlessly, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of follow along with him and see what kind of player plays out here, because I still think that there's work needed in those kind of surrounding skill areas in order to at least make him a baseline average player across the board with excellent goal scoring skills with excellent off puck movement and excellent puck protection because that combination would be really good it's just in the nhl you can't be a specialist and we talked about this yeah. a couple episodes ago where you know if you're really really good at one or two things but suck at the rest you're not going to work out in the nhl because 
you face you do everything on the ice in the NHL. You see a bit of everything. Even if you're a bottom six power play specialist, you're still going to see defensive scenarios often, and you need to be good at those. You're still going to see board battles very often. You need to be good at those. So it's just I'm curious to see how that develops for him. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of keep a close eye on him with London and see if there's any progress in those areas. But that wraps things up for our second segment. We'll end things off with our game on the line segment for the 2020, uh, for the 2013 NHL draft, rather. Um, we'll get on into that right after these messages from our sponsors over at Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same thing with your business team? If you're building a roster and, and need to win the league, uh, Indeed is your best friend. Um, Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Makes it really convenient. You don't need to spend hours on multiple job sites looking for the perfect candidate with the right skills when you can do all that on one website with Indeed. You can find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. Speaking of Instant Match, it's a very useful tool which basically sponsors your posts, shows it to people on Indeed, um, and then and um, it invites people to then uh, invite uh, to, to then um, uh, postulate for your job uh, and, and, and apply. That way you can find um, candidates that fit exactly what you're looking for in terms of um, experience, in terms of qualities, in terms of, um, you know, all of that good stuff. And candidates that you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply for your job than the candidates who only just see it in search. Um, and that's according to USND data. Um, now, what's interesting with them is that um, you, you can go ahead and and not worry about the multiple steps and multiple things you need to go through. Indeed makes it all very practical. So Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you really have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Um, so visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. Again, that's Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing isn't available for everyone. But if you need to hire, you need Indeed. All right, so ending things off with our game on the line segment for the 2013 NHL draft. We'll talk you through the starting six that we've built uh, using a player from each uh, each player from a different round in the 2013 NHL draft to win a game seven Stanley Cup final with the game on the line. So we'll start off at center. I think this is fairly obvious. There is a standout. I mean, as much as I like Alexander Barkov, Nathan McKinnon is an unsurroundable in terms of, of players available in this draft. Um, you want a franchise level game changer? You've got that in McKinnon. Um, do you think there's any conversation to be had there with Barkov, though? Let's say if you have two wingers that are not as uh, potent defensively, who are not going to give you a lot, or if your decor is a bit weak, do you think there's an argument there? Or is it really clear cut with McKinnon? Especially since like the entire series here is around the setting of playoff performances, I, I'm I'm not. I, I did not think twice about McKinnon here. I yeah. Uh, I, I really appreciate Sasha Barkov's game. I think he's one of the better centermen in the in the league. But mm -hmm. uh, McKinnon is a top three center, a top five player in the league. So no, I didn't yeah. uh, think too long and too hard about this one. Yeah, and the proven record in the playoffs is obviously a, a big plus. I mean, he was a key. I mean, if not the best player in in that kind of um, Colorado yeah. Avalanche playoff run uh, for the Stanley Cup final. Um, he was definitely one of the best, if not a very kind of key 
main central part of that lineup. So he's a definite kind of add in that center position. But at wing is where it gets a bit complicated. Um, let's start with our second round pick. Uh, you went with a different route than me. We both went for a winger there in, in that position. But I went mm. with Tyler Bertuzzi, mainly because I'm looking for that physical element. I'm looking for that net front presence. And he's decent enough defensively. Um, he's not out of this world. But I feel like the offensive plus on him compared to the player you took is a bit more of an upgrade, even though the player you took is a player that Nathan McKinnon knows very well because they played on the same line for most of the playoffs in that Stanley Cup run. Um, talk me through it. I mean, I, I couldn't pass on Arturi Lekkonen here. Uh, yeah. Well, yes, Bertuzzi's going to score more goals than Lekkonen. I did not add mm-hmm. Lekkonen to my lineup to be, well, actually, no. Maybe I did add Lekkonen into my lineup to be the OT goal scorer because he might not score the most <laughs> goals, but he scores every He's overtime goal. Yep, so, so. Uh, I mean, he he won. He, I think he scored what three series winning goals in those two playoff runs with Montreal and with Colorado. Clutch, pure uh, clutch. I think he, yeah. So uh, actually, I did add him to score my game winning goal. Uh, so, <laughs> but either way, Lekkonen has the intelligence to match the rest of my forward line, my lineup as a whole here, which is a big plus for me. He's going mm-hmm. to add a ton of intensity. He's going to be the standout defensive forward on this on this line. Uh, he's yep. basically going to do every single bit of dirty work extremely effectively and with mm-hmm. a ton of pace. And his his mind is always geared towards shifting defensive situations into into offense. He's really really solid on um like on on the breakout and overall in terms of producing on the rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that him, McKinnon, and Jake Gensel, my other winger, going at it together on the rush is a pretty frightening sight for any defensive core in the league. So uh, I'm very happy with my forward core. I think it's well-balanced. Both McKinnon and Gensel are proven goal scorers, and Lekkonen is a proven overtime goal scorer. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think that my forward lineup is pretty solid here, and I'm pretty confident with them going into the specific scenario. Yeah, no, for, for the winger um, from the third round, which I, we, we basically kind of picked our front three in the same kind of order uh first second yeah. and third round i went with pavel butchnevich um mainly because mm-hmm. in bertuzzi you've got a goal scoring element a player who's going to be able to crash a net and make things happen you've got nathan mckinnon who's also got a wicked shot um and and offers that stick handling ability off the rush and that that straight line speed is almost unmatched in the nhl i wanted to add a pure playmaking element um that is able to find anyone anywhere and for me that's butchnevich to a yeah. team um, so that fit for me is fantastic. Um, and I think that relying on McKinnon and Bertuzzi to hold their own defensively um, would be really good. But Shnevich is more of a possession retainer. Like he he creates good defensive results just by virtue of being so good on the puck and being able to make good decisions consistently and move the puck in areas that work. Um, but I feel like Bertuzzi is going to do a lot of the dirty work in the defensive zone and on the forecheck. You got McKinnon who's going to assist the defenseman on the breakout. And then Bushnevis is going to be there as added support um, playmaking wise. So you got three really good play drivers here. I'm fairly confident in my lineup as well at forward. Um, on D, we have one difference, really. Um, yeah. and we went with McK- Mackenzie Wegar from the seventh round um, at Easy right pick. D. Very easy pick. I mean, you had Dominic Kubelik in that same round. I was a bit yeah. kind of on the fence regarding that, but Wegar is just such a dominant defensive player, um, especially with the guys I have at forward. I felt like he was the right choice. I went for a more of a puck mover in Connor Clifton um, at yeah. lefty. Um, in the same round, you went for Carson Soucy. Is that right? I did. I did indeed. I wanted to add a, an extra little a- element of defensive game and physicality. 
-hmm. not only because uh, my forward, well, McKinnon and Gensel aren't exactly going to be, aren't going to be selkie candidates on the back end, uh, mm -hmm. but with Carson Soucy, I'm adding a player who also plays a style of defense that Lekkonen, McKinnon, and Gensel are all very familiar with in terms of the defense cores that, that they have gone into playoff runs with. With Lekkonen, mm -hmm. you think back to guys like Ben Sherratt and Shea Weber. With McKinnon, you got guys like Josh Manson. And with Gensel, mm -hmm. you have a number of players like Marcus Pedersen, Brian Dumoulin, so on and so forth. And mm -hmm. with Carson Soucy, I want to kind of just add that, that stable defensive element who is not going to be a great play driver, is not going to be the strongest breakout passer, but is going to clear mm -hmm. the net front and is going to allow Mackenzie Wieger to kind of open up into a more two-way role, which is where I think he's most potent. While, yes, mm -hmm. Wieger is an elite defensive defenseman, I quite like mm -hmm. his ability in the breakout, also as a puck carrier, to, to kind of like start off those counterattacks and mm -hmm. joining in on the rush. And with Carson Soucy in the back end, he's six foot five. he covers a ton of ice, He's not the slowest 6 5 defenseman in the league, and I think he adds a little bit of stability on my back end, and mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with Weaker being the puck mover on that blue line, uh, which is why I didn't really feel the need to add Clifton in for that role. Yeah, I felt like it would be a bit. I'd be a bit more confident with Clifton in in, in that decor simply because yeah. I look at McKinnon, Gensel, and Lekkinen, and I don't see any high-end major physical player. Um, yeah. So I'm a bit more comf comfortable with Clifton going into that corner simply because, yes, he's 5'11", 190. He plays well above his weight. So do he most does. of the undersized Boston Bruins defensemen. They um, have to. And, and he's really good on retrievals. He's surprisingly good on retrievals in terms of getting pucks off the boards, spinning off a player and making a play into, into the center ice that doesn't lead to a turnover. Um, I'm a bit less confident in Susie's ability to man the boards, especially if we're looking at Tyler Batuzzi going into those board battles against him. Um, I feel like we're going to win the the kind of more mean potatoes type of um, play. You know, I, I'm more confident in, in your game in, in your team's game off the rush for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like Bushnevis' cycling ability, Bertuzzi's ability to take any puck off the boards and get it to the middle um, and to win most of his board battles. Uh, and the combination of Clifton and Wegar being really good on retrievals is really going to help that side of my game as well. Um, but then in net, we have an easy one. Um, you almost missed him. I had to catch you up on no, that. No, it wasn't an almost. <laughs> at the very beginning when we were sifting through the fourth round, and I, I usually uh -huh. sift my goaltenders after my skaters, uh, so mm -hmm. I would have I would have caught it afterwards. But yeah, there was a mm -hmm. moment where I may or may not have missed you say Saros in the fourth round. Uh, yeah, but... and... I, I appreciate you like telling me about it, uh, but <laughs> but I do think I would have caught it later on. But who knows? Maybe, maybe I wouldn't have. Absolutely, but I mean, this was an easy pick for me. He's my favorite goaltender. Maybe not the best goaltender in terms of stats, but overall, he's my favorite goaltender to watch in the NHL. So I'm very satisfied with this. Um, oh, yeah. But that wraps things up for today's segment. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, if you like what you've been watching, make sure to like and subscribe. I'll leave you a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next and who you think would win between our two lineups. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Lockdown Sports today. They've got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in for our next episode next Monday as we continue our prospects talk. This has been Hattie Calicast with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.